It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this um, oh, Tuesday morning. And uh, today uh, we're going to uh, review, or well, hopefully, we're going to review last night's uh, city council meeting with uh, council uh, president uh, Chris Beauchamp. I say hopefully because he isn't in the studio yet, uh, but we expect him um, momentarily. So uh, we might um, also give him a call as a reminder sometimes uh, in um, the busy world out there, uh, these things can uh, slip your mind, right? So anyway, uh, we um, will uh, chat with him about the meeting. And if um, you're just tuning in and you haven't heard um, much news today, I would say uh, that we have um, uh, the first thing I think I would be talking to uh, the council president about is um, what happened toward the back of the meeting last night when the uh, director of public uh, works in the city of Woonsocket, his name is uh, Steve D'Agostino, he was on the agenda to speak on a few items, and he did. He spoke about about Cass Park, and he gave a nice report on, uh, on Cass Park. But um, the uh, the report that he uh, also gave about uh, about the Cinegro uh, plant uh, was not good at all, and uh, it was uh, downright depressing. Steve D'Agostino last night. Are you there, Steve? Presentations to speak by public and elected officials. 23P25, a request of Public Works Director to address the City Council regarding the following items. One, Cass Park Recreational Complex, sale of gravel, track. Um, There's a situation going on there at the facility. Uh, Our wastewater facility, uh, our our wastewater treatment plant is running, actually it's running great. Uh, Our state-of-the-art facility. Cinegro, however, not so great. Their incineration is down. Uh, it went down last week. It's not expected to come back online until possibly next week. So completely unexpected. Um, these repairs were uh, completely unanticipated, and it has the region scrambling. Um, where currently there's no uh, cake being burned. It's being offloaded from the site um, and sent to New Jersey. And from New Jersey, it's loaded on rail cars to Georgia and different parts of the Midwest. So this is, uh, this is as I've been saying for many years, this is, this is a reality. This is completely unexpected. And now here we are. So there, there could be some odors in that area from time to time because cake is being um, loaded onto trailers and transported out. So the, the need for a discussion on these um, various complexes is, is dire. I've uh, 
organize the meeting for this week. Um, hopefully this week we'll have a discussion with the two vendors and we try to get make some headway here and so we can make decisions in, for our future here. But this is not unanticipated. I've had meetings at DEM <coughs> last year, all documented, saying that this very thing could happen. And if it does, it's going to be a major problem. Our landfill in Rhode Island is pretty much filled. They don't accept uh, anything but one socket waste at this point. Nothing commingled from other regions. So this is a, this is a huge problem for the entire region. Well, this is not what uh, Brian Thompson or uh, Scott McGee or Chris Beauchamp or uh, or any of the other Garrett uh, men. This is not what they signed up for. Uh, maybe um, maybe building a new public safety complex that would be nice and stuff like that. Uh, but unfortunately, that's going to be our lead uh, to our interview into um, the uh, summary of what happened last night at the city council meeting. And uh, Chris Beauchamp, who is the council president with us. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Roger. How are you? I'm good. Good. Welcome. Um, so uh, we played some of the soundbite uh, of uh, Mr. D'Agostino. Uh, and were you uh, like um, uh, caught off guard or had you been briefed about this uh, ahead of time? And and you just had to let Mr. D'Agostino let the bad news out. You're on. Um, I was not caught off guard. Uh I'm not happy about it, uh, like everybody else. Um, Steve and I talk, the director and I talk every day. And he, he briefly told me about what was happening there. And he said he would talk more about it at the council meeting. So I kind of knew what was coming. Um, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, we are bringing our waste, as Steve said, to the landfill. Uh, Sinegro is paying for that. We are not paying for it because it's their fault that they're shut down. But uh, it's uh, it's going to be a problem moving forward. We're going to have a workshop. I'm going to schedule a workshop hopefully for Monday. We'll get more detail and, and questions answered on Monday from the director. And hopefully Sinegro will be there and maybe Jacobs too. And uh, we'll try to see where we're going. Uh, so if I understand the process right... Uh, the bad news is about Sinegro. We'll get back into that in a second. But I think the good news over at the wastewater treatment plant is it's not going to be as taxed uh, as it was before, right? True, true. Right. So, and I, I made that point previously when we talked about, you know, 85% of the material that comes there comes from out of the city one socket. So mm -hmm. less volume, hopefully less smell, less tax on the, on the plant, less, um, you know, work. So, yes, I think that that's going to happen. All right. And, you know, every time I have a discussion about this uh, with somebody, I was uh, over the weekend, talked to somebody, there's misunderstandings uh, still out there. So, again, there are three facilities. Uh, we are not talking about the brand new water treatment plant. We're going to put that aside. That's doing good. And that's not part of the discussion. The other two facilities is one city-owned and one privately owned. One is wastewater treatment, which is now, as we just acknowledged, not under as much of a strain uh, because Sinegro is closed down. Sinegro's private. And so a few months ago, I heard that Sinegro was having financial problems. And so uh, are they able to afford to fix this this facility on Cumberland Hill Road, and also what are cakes? 
Yeah, um, they, <laughs> they, the easy one for us. Yeah, they. Well, they have to fix it. I mean, um, that's their business, you know. Uh, bring, bringing in uh, waste from other communities, they dry it, they squeeze all the water out of it to get the cake, and then they burn it. And that's basically what they do. And whatever residue comes out of that goes to our wastewater treatment plant. We treat that, and we move from there. If too much of the solids that don't get burned, don't get uh, put together by Cinegro uh, and comes into our wastewater treatment plant, that's where we have problems at our wastewater plant, which is run by Jacobs, a private uh, company. So, you know, I made the contention, I think the last time I was here, that I think in the future, I think there should be one operator for both plants where they both, one operator has vested interest in both plants, where now... You have Cinegro and you have Jacobs, and they don't always seem to communicate. Uh, I think it's going much better now, now that we know that there are problems. But I think one operator at that plant, I think, is going to be the future. And, you know, the director had said at one point there's no backup plan. You know, I made the point uh, earlier today when I was talking to him. I mean, there is a backup plan. They bring it somewhere else because they're not operating now, and it's expensive, and it's probably not in Cinegro's best interest to continue doing stuff like that because of the cost. And if they're not making money doing what they were doing before, they're certainly not making money now transporting it to New Jersey, Georgia, or wherever it's going. So does that does that mean there'll be less traffic uh, coming into the city from other cities with the uh, mushy sludge before uh, they, they cake it, or will we see as much traffic as before? I think you'll see... Probably similar traffic now because we have to um, treat what's there now. And we're taking our stuff out also. Mm-hmm. So I think there will be quite a bit of trucks coming in and out of there for the next, whatever, week, two weeks. And then after that, I think this is what the workshop's going to be uh, uh, discussing. Whether we're going to continue to take the 85% we took before. Are we going to make modifications? Can we make modifications on how much we take? And those are the hard discussions we're going to have with Senegal. All right. So there are two uh, two things as the political discussion. Uh, and I'm not saying it's politics. I'm saying it's, uh, mm-hmm. the, it's the people who are elected office. They have to make some decisions. And then there's the actual facility itself. I get the impression a um, couple of weeks that thing could be closed before they get everything in. Maybe longer. Could it be longer? <sighs> Anything's possible. Anything goes, huh? Anything's possible, but I'll leave that to the uh, people that are there to give us that information, hopefully Monday. All right. So um, this is, I guess, the the top story from last night, unfortunately, right? Yes. <clears throat> All right. We uh, Let's get underway with, um, well, let's give you a chance to say, look at that agenda last night. What did you think the general public should know the most about uh, from um, from that meeting of the council, and then I'll uh, dig to some other topics. Um, well, one of the things that you know, and I spoke about it last night, was the uh, purchase of uh, 181 Cumberland Street. City had the first right of refusal to buy that building, which is the old Viola Barad building next to across the street from St. Anne's Church Cultural Center. And you know, I had made the point that back in 2015, 16. When I was still on the council, we had a proposal before us to buy a couple of a building up on Circle Street where the water department, you know, could eventually move into. I think it was uh, a good idea to put them there. 
I think the cost I misstated. I thought it was around five hundred thousand to buy that building. I'm I'm told it was around seven hundred thousand, and you know that was back in seven years ago, and it got voted down by the council at that time, four to three, and you know here we are today. We're buying this building to to temporarily put some white uh, water department people in because they have nowhere to go. We paid over almost $250,000 in rental uh, for the water department people since 2016 because they were originally, as the mayor said last night, in the old incinerator. And if you ever went in there, it was infested with uh, pigeons and it wasn't a good environment to do anything in. Never mind have an office in. So they, they moved out of there. We, we closed the incinerator. We demolished it. <clears throat> and ever since then, they've been looking for a home. Um, and to me, uh, you know, I know money is money, but if we would have bought that land back on Circle Street back then, we wouldn't be buying the land from Roy Avenue. We wouldn't be putting up a brand new building. Uh, we'd already have them housed somewhere. And sometimes, you know, we got to make those decisions based on not only that day, but what's going to happen in the future. And I know we all don't have a crystal ball, but they needed to be somewhere back in 2016, and we're still looking to put them somewhere now. So uh, this building is also next to Funya and Funya Funeral Home, and uh, it's a nice-looking building from the outside. So the water department's going to use it temporarily? Correct. And then are we going to sell it to somebody later on down it, the line? Is that the plan? It's a possibility. Um, you know, Council Vice President Gonzalez had talked about possibly City Hall employees. And again, you you got to look at everything in a broad scope, if you will, because, you know, City Hall, Abraham Lincoln came there. So that's as old as City Hall is, right? <laughs> that's not going to last forever. Uh, God forbid if something happened there, a fire, a roof collapse, so something. Those people would have to be transitioned somewhere. So we got to start looking at, you know, why we're purchasing this building. It, yes, it is a temporary use, but maybe it could be some permanent use for office space for employees. So that's that's an option. And if we feel that that's not the option at the end of this, where the water department moves into their new building, then we sell it and hopefully make a profit and we move on. All right, Joe uh, sends us an email on the topic. Good morning, guys. If I followed the meeting correctly last night, the state paid for a new roof just a few years ago and put $300,000 into the state budget to do more repairs. Why then would it uh, deem the property as surplus property when Community Care Alliance was still occupying the building? Can anyone provide more explanation on this topic? Well, all I know is that uh, Community Care Alliance was operating a kitchen there. Uh, in the basement. So they weren't occupying a majority of the building. Um, the roof has been replaced, and I did not take a tour of the building yesterday, but Councilwoman Gonzalez did. I've seen pictures. Um, I don't think you're going to spend a ton of money to, you know, give it a little TLC, if you will, and have it up and running um, for the water department people to be in there probably spend some money on some infrastructure for, you know, computer and phones and that type of stuff. But the building looks like it needs a good cleaning. And to me, it's a worthwhile purchase because we have a need for it. And I've said this before that, you know, Director D'Agostino does not come before us on a wish list. He comes before us when he needs something because he needs it. And it's a benefit to 
employees in the city. And I take his input uh, seriously, and it's not something that he's wishy-washy about. It was something that I think is needed, and that's what we're doing. As far as CCA, yes, they looked at the building and maybe wanted to purchase it, but they didn't put a price in when um, you know it was out to bid. So they must be looking elsewhere. Thank you very much. Uh, hey, Booch, writes uh, the C-Mailer. The city has not experienced that nasty smell in the Cumberland Hill area for the last week or two. Do you think that's because the Sinegro plant has not been operating as expected, burning poop, or because city leaders have a good handle on what's uh, taking place over there? No resolution for the stink, but we are selling gravel, and will the state um, will uh, will have a state of the art athletic complex? Well, all right. So let's take. Uh, the comment, first of all, the two things he's uh, talking about here. First of all, uh, I guess he hasn't smelled Cinegro, uh, and maybe it's because the plant's uh, shut down. I don't know. Any comment? Um, I think that's part of it, but as Director D'Agostino said last night, you will, there will be some odors coming out of that because basically mm-hmm. they're outside, they're moving cakes into trucks, and they're trucking it away. So there will be odors emanating from there. Sure. Um, and as far as, you know, the Cinegro plant, we own it. The city of Woonsocket owns it. Cinegro runs it. Um, you know, we, we take ownership. I mean, we take maintenance of that, I believe, in 2027. So we're going to make some hard decisions on where we're going with this plant. Um, and as far as, you know, I can see, Director D'Agostino updates us as a council whenever he has information that we need to hear about. So... Uh, I drive by there every day when I come home, when I go to work. Sometimes I smell things, sometimes I don't. I go to Cass Park every day. I just I just came from there. Uh, there was no odor this morning. Um, and Cass Park is moving, uh, moving along very, very well. We got a report last night of how much revenue we generated in the last two weeks. I think it was just over $115,000. So, you know, if you do that for the next... Ten weeks at one hundred fifteen thousand dollars, you're going to generate some revenue. Mm-hmm. So things are moving uh, very good over at Cass Park, and hopefully we'll just keep an eye on that, and we'll also keep an eye on Cinegro and be updated as much as we can from the director. All right, thank you, um, Mr. Uh, Chris Beauchamp. He's our uh, our council president, and uh, I'm I'm not going to ask him if he's uh, enjoying this run as council president, uh, but. Um, I'll tell you, there's a, a lot on the table this uh, this run around, and I don't think when you were running that you saw as much stuff there. I know that you're still happy to tackle all this stuff. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. After uh, a commercial break, we'll see uh, if we can keep him as excited as he is. Back in a moment. The go-to place for authentic Italian dining is Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Over 20 Italian dishes made to order from our menu. Or experience our Sicilian-style pizza. Build your own while you choose from your veggies, meats, and cheeses. And, of course, our traditional family-style chicken dinner is offered every day. Savini's Pomodoro on Rathbun Street with affordable accommodations for weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, and business meetings. Closed Mondays open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays at noon. For reservations, call 762-5114. That's 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. 
inviting you to join us at our family-owned businesses, Savini's or Ciro's, perfect for any event. Soup and salad bar now available, and Papa Savini's famous roasted chicken and noodle soup, also available by the 32-ounce jar to take home at Savini's Pomodoro. All right, and uh, just a reminder on Tuesdays. Now, remember, Savini's is open at 4 o'clock this afternoon, but every Tuesday... You can get half-price bottles of wine. So I'm looking here. Uh, I like um, I like J Law as a brand, and I like their Cabernet. And uh, Savini's has a J Law Cabernet 2019 California, and it's thirty-four dollars a bottle. It's a quality wine, and you can get it half price tonight and every Tuesday night at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, right here. In one socket. Again, they open at 4 o'clock for your convenience. All right, let's check in with this guy. Scott McGee from the Stearns McGee team is ready. Whether you're buying or selling a home or just curious about the local market conditions, Scott would love to offer his services to you. He knows the local community, both as an agent and a neighbor, and can help you guide through the nuances of the current real estate market. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. All right, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little trick here on Mr. Beauchamp. I'm doing an ad for Scott McGee, and uh, his listing is at 270 Tebow Avenue at $289,000. And uh, actually, I misrepresented $289,900. And I'll tell you about the property in a few seconds. All right, now let's go to Mr. Beauchamp. Do you know where Tebow Avenue is, Mr. Beauchamp? It's in one socket. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. I, I go by so many streets and look at so many jobs. Uh, well, guess what? And when, all over the place. So. When Scott sent me this listing on Friday, I didn't know where it was, so I Googled it. So you're driving. The, so this is why it's such a good property. You're driving out of Woonsocket, and you want to you want to live in Woonsocket and get you know get advantage of uh, the city council and all, all the great things we have going here. And yet you want to live in the country. So you're driving down Manville Road, and just before you cross over the Woonsocket line into Lincoln, into Manville Village right there, um, there's a street that goes up uh, up, and, um, and it goes up to uh, Gattery Boulevard. And then, and then off of Gattery Boulevard is this Tebow Avenue. It's right at the end it's, uh, of the street. It's on Tebow Avenue, and it's the last road in the neighborhood. And it's the last house in the neighborhood. And above it, you can see the uh, what they call the Booth Pond Conservation Area. And it is just a beautiful setting. And if you are interested in a house, and, and in this market, there are few, few houses under $300,000. It's two eighty nine nine. It's a, it's a basic house, so it's, um, it's got three bedrooms, one bath. But it's got a lot of uh, new uh, updates and it's really a lot of nice house for the money. So it's kind of in a country setting, but still in the city. 639-2906, Scott McGee has it for a listing. So now you know where, uh, what is what street? Tebow. 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 Yeah, Moonstone Drive. All right. Yeah, all right. Uh, yes, uh, we have one more an announcement, and then we'll uh, get back to um, to our program. And let's check in with Allstate, right? Mm -hmm. 
Speaking with Celeste Benjamin of the Benjamin Insurance Agency. Celeste, you provide a wide range of services there. Most of our business is providing home and auto insurance. However, we feel the most important thing to insure is people. Everyone insures their home and autos, which are objects. Only 57% of Americans have life insurance. You may get into a car accident. You may have a claim on your home. But life insurance is a guaranteed payout for your family. We are here to help keep your family going. Our family serving your family. And Cara Benjamin? My mother, Celeste, will help you plan for retirement and assist you with protecting your family by providing life insurance. The Allstate Benjamin Agency, 125 Eddie Darling Highway, North Smithfield, 765-5000 for the protection you need, the service you want. Across from CVS at Dowling Village. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel is uh, Roger and uh, Chris Beauchamp, and uh, we are reviewing the council meeting. Um, now, one of the things uh, is this uh, homestead exemption. And uh, at first, I thought it was like a lot of paperwork to fill out, but I filled it out over the weekend. That were, the hottest thing was finding the registration of. Uh, my wife's car in the glove compartment um, um, between the Dunkin' Donut napkins and, uh, and the receipts to Macy's. But there it was, and I was able to copy it. And Well, anyway, I want to tell you, I went to City Hall yesterday. I was in and out of there in less than 10 seconds. I mean, um, uh, it had already been notarized here, and, uh, and I, they looked at it. You're all set. Goodbye. And, and if you... You can't find a notary. I'm a notary. I'll, I'll do it. I did a few yesterday. No charge, incidentally. I know you thought I was going to charge it, right? Right. No charge. I signed a few yesterday. John Dion can sign a few. Uh, uh, but um, if you don't have it notarized, they'll notarize it there. Just don't sign that part of the paper where it says your signature. You know, wait for, uh, wait for them to witness it. Anyway, it's pretty easy. So now the question is to Mr. Bo, Beauchamp, the council president. Uh, are we going to, is there any need for an extension? And, um, and I know that we should have done this in previous years, but we didn't. We're kind of catching up with the law. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about this homestead exemption so that people are saying, oh, why are they picking on us all of a sudden? Yeah, I, I, I agree with your assessment on, on the easiness of filling out the form. You know, some people see three pages and one of its directions, kind of, and one is you fill out and maybe they get a little uptight about it. But it's to benefit you as a homeowner um, if you're living in a one, two, or three family. And uh, I was uh, a sponsor of this legislation back in 2016 to make sure that we put out this homestead exemption certification to make sure people that deserved it were getting it and people that didn't deserve it were not getting it. Because if there are homes that are on that that are getting the homestead and we don't verify that they should or not, you and I as taxpayers, like everybody else, are paying for the people that do not deserve it. And back in uh, 2016, I think we captured almost three quarters of a million dollars back to the city one socket and the taxpayers for people that should have been off the homestead, shouldn't have been getting the homestead exemption. There were cheaters out there? Well, I won't call them cheaters. Maybe they, they, they moved, they didn't tell the city, they sold their house, whatever. I mean, stuff happens. Mm -hmm. But 
Uh, you know, Councilman Ward brought up a few points about it last night. And I don't think we have to do it every year, but I think maybe every three years, like we had talked about back in 2016. And again, I had mentioned that, you know, there was some changeover, some influx of, uh, you know, the tax assessor's situation where somebody was there, they weren't there. Of course, COVID hit. So I think it was due uh, that we do this again, and that's what we're doing. And I commend the tax assessor's office and all the people that work there, because I went in there the other day just to pick up some forms for a few people. And there were four or five residents there, and there were three or four workers there helping them. And it seemed to be going very quickly. People were in and out within the you know, 10 seconds that I was there. So I commend them for the hard work. And yes, if we need to extend it for some people that can't get there or are still looking for documents, we could probably do that. But in the future, I think we'll tweak that homestead exemption ordinance, and uh, we'll be looking at that shortly. All right. There's a lot of money involved. It's really, uh, you know, when I, when I delivered it there, I knew that um, that uh, I'm going to save save money. I mean, it's a very generous exemption, and yeah. it's uh, worth, uh, worth the paperwork. All right. Uh, that's on the homestead exemption. Uh, did you know that not everybody thinks a cash park idea is good? There are a few. Yeah, here's a guy. Uh, Eight hundred forty-one loads brings in one hundred fifteen thousand dollars. How much is that per truck? Long ways from four to five million dollars. He's referring to removal, not the cleanest. Be honest. All right. Um, moving on to the next. Uh, don't believe in the hype. Cas Park is not looking good. Take a walk and see for yourself. There's trash scattered throughout the park and cigarette butts everywhere. Just because someone says it's looking good doesn't mean it's true. All right, so we've acknowledged those comments. You can, if you have nothing to say, I have plenty of other topics to talk about, sir. I'll just quickly say we never said we are going to get 4 to $5 million. He's wrong in thinking that. Uh, if there's 300,000 cubic yards at $7 a yard, that's $2.1 million. And I expect we're going to be at least that much. And as far as Cass Park looking good, there are pockets of it that need to be attended to, and this parks department does a great job. If you want to nitpick and talk about, you know, there's this, there's that, there's litter, there's litter everywhere. This city has never looked better in the 64 years that I've lived here than in the last nine years that this administration has been in office. Because through the parks department, through the public works, I see people picking up litter constantly. I see them cutting weeds in the gutter. That never happened before, and I give them all the praise and thanks for doing it. All right. I ask this of every elected official in the last 45 days that have come here. Are you running for Congress in the 1st Congressional District? Absolutely not. Thank you. Moving on to our next question here on the program. Uh, that is, uh, this is better directed to Mike DeBrice. Is Mike DeBrice in the room? No. no he's not. Okay, so now it's directed to you. Um, but it is um, a, a big hunk of change here, uh, 793000 bucks. These are opera funds, American Rescue, uh, um, federal, federal money that came in that's sitting at Navigant Credit Union right now. We've got to do something with it to be used for the um, Food Hub Development Grant Project. Now, we're coming up with 793 and we're matching something coming in from the feds, right? The feds, uh, there was just over 
two million dollars from the Fed. So the whole mm-hmm. grant itself, with our twenty percent match, is roughly four million. All right. So let's set the stage. Four million bucks. Uh, we're on Social Street. We're looking at um, a building that's been used uh, for various businesses over the years. Aaron's, the rental place, was the last people in there, right? Correct. And now it's going to be. Um, a food hub. What the hell is a food hub? Do you do you know yet? Well, I've seen the renderings. Uh, we did have a workshop on this, and I think it's a great, um, great idea, great location. And I'm sure if you asked uh, Boschman Lumber, that's been there for 75 years plus, or maybe even 100 years, yep. and maybe uh, some of the other business, they would love to see somebody there. Mm-hmm. And I know that we were still getting... Uh, tax revenue from the old Aaron's because the lights were still on. They were paying the rent uh, or paying their taxes, I should say. But you would still like to see somebody in that building. And uh, this food hub, I've seen something similar in Providence where you get, it's almost like a farmer's market, but it's upgraded from a farmer's market. It's inside. There will be, I think Director DeBroyce said, maybe five to seven businesses that will come in there and start their own business with the help of this grant, with the help of the city money to invest in equipment, to get started. And I think it's a great idea. There will be uh, solar panels on the, on the roof. The parking lot will be revamped and repaved. So it's going to be something that I think is going to uh, attract uh, local residents. And, you know, having uh, another place where you could buy vegetables groceries, uh, maybe pastries, I think is a good option, and I'm looking forward to it. So is it the um, downtown answer to uh, putting uh, uh, something like a supermarket uh, there? I mean, is it sort of like a supermarket? Maybe it's just a market. Well, I I wouldn't call it a supermarket. It's probably more on the scale of like a little general's type scale. Mm -hmm. But they will have specialty shops in there, from what I understand. And people will... Uh, come in and, and, like I said, a bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot of those in the area. We used to have right. three or four in the city of Woonsocket. Deloria's Bakery, I remember, and a couple other ones. Belle Isles Bakery. Belle Isles Bakery. Parex Bakery. Parex. So Leo's Bakery. See, yeah. I'm good, huh? Yeah, you yeah, are right. good. That means one thing. Uh, you've been around a while. That means I'm old, right? <laughs> so I believe that uh, we had the workshop, like I said. Mike Dembrois, the planning director told us what was going on with this and I believe everybody on the council voted in favor of it so it's moving forward. To me it reminds me a little bit about uh, us. It's hard to explain what it's going to be because I don't think you know what it's going to be. Just like when Joe Garlic uh, from uh, NeighborWorks was talking about the Mill River Race Kitchen Mm -hmm. uh, we were building it Uh, we were putting equipment in there or they were building it, putting equipment in there but nobody really knew how it was going to be used and and how it was going to uh, evolve. And I think that's how this is going to be. Yeah, it's, and, it's tough to talk about it, right? And, and, and the mill race uh, thing you bring up is, is kind of like a co-op thing, right? You mm-hmm. can go in there, have a function there, you have a kitchen, you have you have uh, an enemies to, the, to do stuff. So I think it's, uh, it's a worthwhile... And listen, we're getting $3.2 million. With our matching, it's almost $4 million. I think we got to take advantage of helping businesses uh, come to the city, and hopefully they'll relocate somewhere in the city permanently once uh, this program uh, is expired. All right, so uh, so we're using American uh, Rescue Plan funds 
for that. It's, cause, it's interesting how uh, that project is coming together. So we're using American Rescue funds, which are federal funds, as our share. And then there's a federal grant coming in. So it's all federal funding. One's direct, one's indirect, right? Yeah, correct. And, <laughs> and, you know, one of the upper uh, things that you have to show, and I like to see, is physical properties, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the salt shed. Maybe we can yeah, talk about it's, that. It's next. That That is a property, that uh, a physical structure that you will see. It's an infrastructure. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, buying 181 Cumberland Street. It's a structure. We're going to house it temporarily, but this is what they want to see. They want to see, you know, the, the uh, athletic complex. We may use some funds for that. Um, this is what they want to see. They want to see physical structures improvements to the infrastructure of the city, not just giving people some money and, and then not knowing what's going to happen with it. So I, I'm in favor of both of those, and uh, we're going to move forward on these projects. All right. Hello. What would you like to talk about with Mr. Beauchamp? Yeah, so I will tell you one thing. and I, I, I know you probably hear a lot of, quote, good ideas that people have for mm-hmm. economic growth, but I will tell you one thing, and I've been saying this for a few years now, if a Trader Joe's opens somewhere in the center of Woonsocket, it will be an economic boom because you go to any Trader Joe's in the state, which I think there's only two right now, all the local businesses that open within proximity start booming because of the people coming in and out because it's, it's affordable. It's good for the city because there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of money in the city. Trader Joe's is not expensive. But, I, and again, I know as a council person, it's not like you can just pick and choose, cherry pick businesses that you like. But if there was some incentive to get them to open in this city, I, I can guarantee you that would be, a, it would be a win, win, win. But that's, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for your review. Thank you. I, I totally agree with the caller. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. as he said, and he's correct, we can't pick and choose who decides to bring their mm-hmm. business here. I mean, we've been talking about a supermarket so as long as I've been on the council, and we're still not there yet. But they just opened a Trader Joe's somewhere. I'm forgetting where. I think it's in Providence. Yeah, they. Uh, yes, yeah, it's in Providence, Providence right on South Main Street area, and it's tucked in amongst um, some local businesses. But there's also uh, residential space there, and it seems to me like a great idea. And I've gone by there, and it's packed with people. And, yes, I think he's right. A Trader Joe's would be great, as any other market would be great here in the city. And uh, right now we're going we're gonna to move with the food hub, and hopefully bigger and better things are coming. So when it comes to Trader Joe's or any supermarket uh, like that or any retail store, the real estate people who have been on this show and the finance people who have been on this show they find us. We don't find them. What happens, they they sit us. So Trader Joe's is in San Jose, California. That's where their corporate headquarters are. And they look at the, the Google Maps and the computers and the traffic counts. And they decide that they want to go to South Main Street in Providence. It's not like um, Economic Development Office in Providence said, we are a wonderful city. Come to us. Correct. They go where the action is, like to Gillette Stadium. Correct. <laughs> There's a few people that go go there, right? It is Gillette Stadium, right? It, it, uh, it is. Or is it Schaefer Stadium? It, it's Gillette Schaefer's <laughs> many years ago. I just wanted to let you know how old I was. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, uh, anyway, there's what happens with um, with operations like Trader Joe's. So, I guess, again, back to the, uh, back to the shed, uh, the food shed, uh, they'll have to make their own Trader Joe's over there. 
And they probably will. And it and, and will be. It will <laughs> be a, on a much smaller scale, but similar to the product I hope that they... They sell there, mm-hmm. similar to what a Trader Joe's does, where you get fresh vegetables, fresh right. produce, and uh, I think it's going to be a good fit for the city. All right, so now American Rescue Funds for a shed for a, well, yeah, yeah, that's what some people are calling it, to store uh, to store uh, something in it. Now, that's a lot of money for a shed, uh, isn't it? Uh, but uh, maybe the uh, understanding uh, of uh, why it is uh, will help us feel better about it. Well, I, I had mentioned it last night at the council meeting when this topic came up, and I won't rehash everything, but, you know, I drive around. I see Department of Public Works all over the state and in Massachusetts. And, you know, we have some harsh winters. And at times we need a lot of salt, and sometimes we don't need as much. But to have it stored, properly um, covered, properly stored, and so you do not waste any of it. Because when salt sits outside by itself through a whole season, it can be not damaged but not usable because of rain, because of it, it gets washed away, stuff like that. So where our public works department is on River Street... They have a, a, a salt shelter that needs attention. And the American Rescue Funds is a perfect opportunity to update something that benefits the city of Woonsocket when we do have those harsh winters. And I know, Roger, you remember the days when streets, never mind, not salted. They weren't plowed for many hours before we could get out. And the Public Works people have done a tremendous job updating the plowing fleet, updating equipment, backhoes, loaders, that type of thing, and also updating the facilities to make sure they can store enough salt when we need it and have it protected from the elements. So I'm in totally in favor of this, and I think it's a wise move. Christopher uh, Beauchamp, I remember not that long ago, uh, on the phone about 5 o'clock in the morning talk, talking to the public works director, and she was just leaving her house in Coventry to come to work in Woonsocket, and we were snowed in like crazy. Anyway, that's for another another discussion. Um, we're way past those days. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think, uh, oh, we certainly are indeed. We are talking about the city of Woonsocket, so we're, we're building the shed, and uh, we're using American Rescue Correct. funds for Correct. that. And, you know, and, and Director D'Agostino... He does his homework. He researches, you know, they put out a bid, obviously. They got a couple of bids. They went with this company that's done similar a similar storage sheds, salt sheds in other areas. We've looked at them. He's looked at them. I mean, this isn't something we just think, oh, yeah, it's good use. Let's just buy it. You know, there's, there's due diligence on this. And I give Director D'Agostino and his staff a lot of credit because they are proactive as opposed to being reactive. And in Winsocket for many years concerning plowing and salting and all that, we were reactive. Like, it happened and we did something instead of being ready for it. Hey, Roger Ross, the um, council president about All Saints property. I will. <clears throat> we have a caller waiting. Uh, so we own it. Um, you didn't buy it, though, right? Uh, the council before you. Previous, uh, right. previous so, But it's yours now. It is. What are you going to do with it? I think we should put it up for sale and try to recoup our money. Um, it's not going to be a public safety complex. Um, I, you know, previous council thought it might be not a good idea. And as far as public safety is concerned, fire chief, police chief, we need a minimum of four acres, six acres will do. 
There's only two acres there. I think it was short-sighted to buy that and not have a real need for it or a real idea what you were going to do. But it's in our hands now. Um, I don't know what, what's, what's going to be the use of it in the short term, but right now the city owns it. $1.3 million we bought it for, and I would like to see it go you know, for an RFP and put it back out to sale, see if we can recoup that. All right, we'll see if that happens. Uh, call us waiting. Uh, one more quickie. Hamlet Avenue, uh, the property across from the middle school. Was that under discussion at all last night? Because I, I think somebody thinks that's a good location for a safety complex. We did have, a, not last night, but we did have uh, workshops regarding that as a potential site for public safety. It's in the center of the city, as close as you can get to the center of the city. In my opinion, that would be a perfect place for a public safety complex. Would you say it's in the works, it's so in, to speak? It's in the discussions. We're oh. still dealing with the people that bought that land, and uh, I think we're going to have a, another workshop on that very shortly. All right, we have uh, two callers waiting, and uh, throw your question or your comment, and then uh, we'll get to the next one because we don't want to run out of time. Hello there. What do you want to talk about? Good morning. I have two quick questions I'd like answers for. Number one. Um, the first one is, why can't ARPA funds, seeing we have so many millions, mm -hmm. be used to televise the city council meetings? Next, and the other question? And the second is, is during city council meetings, why is there only a men's room available on the third floor and not a woman's room? Okay, thank you. All right, first of all, ARPA funds... Um, for televising the council meetings. What, why don't you just talk about televising the council meetings and getting that squared away once and for all? I think you're in the progress of doing, process of doing that, right? Well, we're, we're trying to update the microphones. We're trying to update the sound system. But it's not a, a, an easy fix. As I've talked to Mr. Jacobs and Michael Connell, you know, it has to do, and I'm not the most sophisticated uh, uh, IT guy. IT guy, exactly. Or video guy. Or video guy. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little behind in some of that stuff, yes. <laughs> so I'm not sure that we can use ARPA funds to do that, but we are looking into updating it. I mean, I know in the past uh, the council meetings were televised and people liked it. Now it's on YouTube and there are some glitches and we're trying to work those up. I can tell you that, uh, you know, ARPA funds or not, it's not a big financial fix. I mean, Center Grove, <laughs> that's big money. Yeah. Cass Park, that's big money. Safety Complex, this is under 50000 with an easy fix. Anyway, um, it's in the progress. And the other thing, are you in charge of restrooms at City Hall? And are you going to solve this problem once and for all, Mr. Council President? I, I am not. Uh, that has been addressed. And uh, the caller keeps bringing it up. And I think it's been addressed. And it's not on the tip of the uh of my tongue to fix that and i'm i'm not going to get involved with that next caller hello there what would you like to talk about yeah here? uh mr bullshit i'll be real quick with the, with this yeah uh you guys have been the best counsel so far in a few years yeah. and i'm serious because i listen to every doggone meeting and uh you're doing a fantastic job and as far as the last council they were on layaway and uh St. Louis Parish is not a place for a public safety complex. A lot of us have said that from the start. But, you know, the former council had to buy it, you know, because they just had to comply with what they wanted, and that's it. So I want to let you know you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you for your call. I appreciate Thank you. 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 You still love me? 
Who's that? <laughs> it wasn't Chris. Oh, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> you St. Clair girls. You'll never change. Yeah. Have a good day. No, never. Okay. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. All right. Uh, we're at the end of the rainbow here. Uh, did we... Did we cover uh, everything from the council meeting last night? I think we, 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 we did good. You're a good guest. I, no, I appreciate it. And I appreciate those comments. Listen, as one of seven people, I'm trying to do what's best in the city interest. Not, not for Chris Beauchamp. And, you know, I tried to do that when I was on the council before. Uh, did I make mistakes or did I, you know, not anticipate some things? Yes, we all make mistakes. And that's, that's why we're human beings. But I try to work with the administration, my colleagues, the directors, to try to do what's in the best interest of the city of Woonsocket. And on every bid that goes out, there is a paragraph that says specifically that. The city, what's in the best interest of the city of Woonsocket. Um, and I'll just close on, you know, we, we talked about the market, and I know it's a hot topic. And, you know, we the administration continues to try to look Social Street, Diamond Hill areas for a market. But the market people want to be, as you said, where the traffic is, mm -hmm. where there's visibility. And the only place that I think that that's going to ever happen, and if we do it, will be a Barry Field. And that's a discussion for another day, and we'll go from there. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, we'll see you next time on the rotation, huh? Thank you very much. Thank you. And that is Council President Chris Beauchamp visiting with us on the upfront program. Now we'll go catch up with some commercials. All right. Thanks, You're welcome, sir. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Well, here's a question for you from Vern Rainville. Do you have frozen pipes or ice dams causing some damage to your home last winter? Well, this is probably covered by insurance. And did you know that you have two years to file a claim? Call Vern Rainville, the local adjuster that represents you, not the insurance company. Vern is a licensed public adjuster by the state of Rhode Island and will work for you to initiate a claim, you can call Vern Rainville today at 484-300-8495 for a free, no-obligation, in-home consultation. All calls are returned in less than 24 hours. Thank you, and uh, it was a pleasure having Vern Rainville in studio with us uh, last week. And uh, he uh, certainly uh, got a lot of, um, uh, well, his program, you know, you can go to WNRI.com and, and review the program uh, on your own time schedule and got a couple of hundred views or, I guess, uh, listens uh, when he was on. Thank you, Vern, for being on our program. And um, so, hey, we're done for today. Thank you, Council President Beauchamp, for joining us uh, today. We'll see you tomorrow on the Upfront program. Up next is uh, Wayne Barber and the Authors Hour. Good day, everybody. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Socket. WNRI Woonsocket, W260DC. WNRI. News this hour from townhall.com.
Amit Thomason. With the threat of a government default looming, President Biden meets with a congressional delegation next week. They'll talk about hiking the government's debt limit. Mr. Biden and the Democrats want a blank check. Republicans insisting on spending cuts as part of any deal. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the country could reach its debt limit as soon as June 1st. Yellen sent a letter to House and Senate leaders.